Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited because my guest is Chris Bruno. Now, Chris, we've had Chris on before, but he's come out with a new book. And I'm so excited about the book because I have wanted to address this topic on this program and really just haven't found the right guest to talk about it. And now I have, and I'm super excited. Oh, Jonathan, thank you so much. Uh, Chris Bruno is the CEO and founder of the Restoration Project and the founder of Restory Counseling, and he's devoted his life to helping people come alive. He is the author of The Manmaker Project and The Brotherhood Primer, and he's a licensed professional counselor, and he has decades of experience helping men recover their hearts. I am so excited to talk about his new book called Sage, A Man's Guide into His Second Passage. Jonathan, thanks so much for having me back. It is great to be back with you. Thanks for your excitement about the book and uh, this topic. It is so, so important for us to talk about as men. Oh, and while I'm excited to talk about it, I'll have to admit this topic for me was one that I'll be very blunt. I did not want to talk about it. And I think I'm being very honest. There's a lot of other men who just at face value really don't want to go there. It feels like a very scary and a very intimidating topic. And in some cases, some would even go as far as to say it's a depressing topic to talk about. (laughs) Now, you and I had a brief conversation about this before, Mm -hmm. and I have to say, by the end of the conversation, I was lit up over this topic and my mind was completely blown. And this is why I'm actually excited to come and talk about this, because I can't wait for for the fathers listening to hear what, what you have to say about this. I feel like, yeah, when we get to the point of talking about midlife, you're right. You're totally right. Like who wants to talk about getting older? Nobody wants to talk about getting older. And yet we do. And I feel like it can be a depressing topic, but at the same time, I feel like, oh my goodness. um, If we actually approach it with the right kind of posture, it can actually, it, it, it can be a really exciting conversation as well. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, I'm ready to dive in. Let's start with the first question. So what exactly happens in the middle years of a man's life? How would you describe a midlife crisis? And how does a man successfully navigate through a midlife crisis? Well, uh, that's a great question. So I think a lot of things can happen in midlife. And so, you know, the midlife crisis term is uh, anytime you use the word midlife, usually the word crisis seems to come after it because we don't actually know what to do in the middle season of our lives. So what I would say a midlife crisis is, if I can start there, is that uh, you kind of wake up to the reality that half of your life is behind you and uh, the crisis comes about when you realize like that didn't go so well, or maybe it didn't go in the way that I wanted it to, or oh my goodness, it's already half gone. Uh, Am I getting to the places that I want to get to? Am I doing the kinds of things? Am I the kind of man that I want to be? And what am I going to do to kind of change course in the middle of my life to make that happen? So um, often crisis happens when it's like this crisis of identity, this crisis of 
faith, this crisis of relationship, this idea is that that my career, my marriage, my family is is not living up to everything that I hoped it would be, or it's not providing me everything I hoped it would, uh, or maybe you know time feels a little bit shorter than I always imagined it. Would, you know, so crisis happens, and we come to this place of like, oh my gosh. I don't have as much time as I re- as I thought I did. And what am I going to do with the time that's left? Uh, and so midlife, I think, is where we kind of come to the come to wake up to the reality, come to the realization that uh, we need to do something. And if we just continue on the same path, it's either going to just be the same thing for another 40, 50 years, which many of us don't want just the same thing for the next 40 or 50 years. Uh, Or I have to actually do something. I have to actually figure some things out. And I don't know what to do. I think that's one of the big things in our culture, Jonathan, is that we we don't have a roadmap for what does it look like to live into a next part of our life, a second half of our life with intention and purpose and clarity and direction. We don't have a roadmap for that. And so that's what I endeavored to do in this book was to kind of give men a roadmap for an intentional and actually fulfilling and God honoring second half of life. Because I think when we get to that second half, it might often feel like, well, if I acknowledge that I'm getting over, then basically I'm acknowledging that I'm becoming irrelevant. And I actually think it's Mm. the opposite. I think it's that when we come to the second half of our lives, that's when we become most relevant. Mm. If, if we're intentional about moving that direction. So that's that's what I think midlife and midlife crisis is, is a crisis of relevancy. Wow. Yeah. I think you, I, I felt a pain point as you were coming to the last part of that. <laughs> a, that's exactly it. It's, it's over relevance. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever heard it put so so accurately how do you navigate that part of your life some of the first parts that i think we need to recognize is that uh especially as we're talking with fathers that the best thing that we can do for our children to grow healthy children is to be a healthy man Mm. and 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 the work i think that god is calling us into this second half the second passage of life for men um, is, is where are the places in our lives that have remained? And I'm going to use the word unhealthy. And I don't mean like, you know, um, just like broken or whatever, but the places that we've not tended to in our own lives, that if we don't tend to them, we can't live, like I said, into that relevancy, into that fullness of who God called us to be in the second half. We have to attend to those places. So I just, as a counselor and as a story work counselor um, in our work with Restory Counseling, that is what we do. We help people restory their lives, which means not trying to go find a new story, but go back to the one that God originally intended for us. And uh, so the work of uh, midlife, the work of, of navigating this season of your life is to is to recognize where are the... Uh, the parts of your heart that have been left untended as you have lived your life, as you've lived kind of the manuscript of, you know, growing up and maybe getting education, maybe getting married, maybe have children, maybe having a career. Those are all good and right things. 
But we focus so much on doing those things that I feel like often we leave our own selves behind. And so if we're gonna if we're gonna actually step into the second half in fullness, then we have to go back to those ancient places in our lives, recover those parts of our hearts, heal those parts of our hearts, reintegrate those parts of our hearts, and then bring them with us into the second half as a more full and settled man. The the term passage, you know, the, the title of the book is A Man's Guide into His Second Passage. I think, especially when we think of us as men, uh, that there is a first passage of a man's life, which is when he moves that, you know, significant transition from boyhood into manhood. But I think, you know, and, it, you know, there's a lot that I can say about that. My first book, Manmaker Project, is all about that passage. The second passage, however, is when he moves from man into sage. And it's this kind of unknown time of our lives, unknown passage, that if we do not attend to it, it just will not automatically happen. We won't become a sage. We won't become an elder. We will just become elderly. And that's when we, you know, kind of fall off into irrelevancy as if we just become elderly. But if we actually incorporate these parts of our hearts and lives and stories that have been untended, as I've been talking about, and bring them with us, tend to them, and then bring them with us into our second half, that's where we become a sage. But everything you mentioned about tending to, to some of the um, some of the rough parts of our lives and whatnot and, and dealing with that, is there some deadline? I mean, were we supposed to have all of this figured out in the first part of our life? Or is this just, or are we just simply putting too much pressure on ourselves? And the point is at some point to understand some of these issues that you have and deal with them. Yeah, certainly no deadline, certainly no deadline. And I, and I know plenty of men who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s that are, that are really attending and doing some of this work. But I also know, Jonathan, that guys in their 30s, you know, mid 30s, early 40s are, are starting to wrestle with those identity questions that is like, who am I? Why am I here on earth? Is this what I want to do? Is this what I'm called to do for the rest of my life? Is this the man that I'm called to be for the rest of my life? Those are the kinds of moments that that I think are, are the invitation to begin to consider these things. And so if that happens when you're 30, if that happens with your 80, that doesn't matter. It just is, it is the movement towards intention, towards your heart to do this work uh, whenever that happens for you. So I, you know, I don't think there's a deadline, and I don't think you have to finish these things, in, you know, by a certain age or, or whatever. Generally, I think that guys are struggling with these things in those late 30s, early 40s, early 50s kind of time mm-hmm. frame. But it certainly is a season that, um, you know, that that I'm in personally, but then also recognize like this is this is going to be going on for a large portion of my life. And and the beautiful thing is that we're never done. We're never done doing some of this work. I think there's always space in our lives for for more of who God called us to be, more healing, more uh, growth, more maturity, and uh, and that's where I feel like it's a it's an invitation into a journey instead of an invitation into a destination. Hmm. And what exactly is a sage? Is it a wise person? Take a step back for a second and and look at almost every story that captures our imagination and hearts, whether it is, uh, you know, like a fiction novel, if it is a uh, nonfiction, you know, biography, autobiography, whatever it is, the stories that we just love kind of diving into, uh, 
are the stories where there is a hero, some hero. And uh, that hero, you know, can be any, it can be any age, it can be a man, it could be a woman, it could be a boy or girl, just that there's some hero that the story is focused on. Well, a sage is not the hero, him or herself. The sage is the hero behind the hero. It is uh, the, the Yoda to the Luke Skywalker. It is the Gandalf to Frodo. It is mm. the, the Jethro to Moses. It is, like, it is the, the Nathan to David. It is the hero behind the hero that actually gives wisdom and counsel and steadfastness and space to process and think and talk and, and even some challenging questions. It's the hero, the, 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 the man or woman who stands behind the hero to, to support them and come alongside of them. So that is what a sage is. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings. So every time I think about sage, I just have this picture of Gandalf and the story would not be a story without Gandalf. Now, he's not the hero of the story. He's not mm -hmm. the prime character of the story, but the story would not exist if, if he did not give the sage wisdom, advice, strength, um, guidance, insight to the heroes of the story. So that's what I think a sage is. And, and so typically it is someone who is older uh, because there is a level of maturity there is a level of experience there is a level of exposure there is a level of settledness and i go through all of these things in the book about the characteristics of what a sage is but it, it takes time to grow and develop these things in our lives and so it does typically happen in those latter you know that second half of our lives um, but it doesn't happen like i said automatically you don't automatically just become a sage you automatically all of us men automatically become old men but not every one of us becomes a sage automatically it has to be intended it has to be some you know personal work that we do in order to move in that direction mm. well on this program i'm a broken record about the heart of a man which is knowing who you are number one and number two knowing your purpose so everything you've just said so far what i'm hearing out of that is that in those sage years, those sage years are full of identity and full of purpose. What happens when a man does not intentionally engage in that second half? I, I'll go back to that midlife crisis is one thing that could happen is a crisis of identity. But the second thing that could happen is uh, this, this idea of lack of purpose, that if my purpose is my 401k, if my purpose is retirement, if my purpose is to, to kind of disappear from the world and find a very comfortable place on a beach or a golf course, then I feel like we lose so much on so many levels. I personally lose, if that's me, I personally lose the, what I believe are to be the most fulfilling years of my life mm. where I, you know, um, am able to offer more, be more. I, I maybe have had a career. And so my financial resources are at a, at a place where I could offer more. I could be more generous. I could, I, I don't have to worry as much. My children are out of the house. And so I'm not running around changing diapers anymore. I'm available for the kinds of things to really sink my teeth into and put my hands around that I was designed to do. So I feel like 
the the sage years are really the time of greatest purpose. And so if if I don't intentionally do that, I lose out on that. But then also on top of that is what does society lose out on? What do we have in our world, in our churches, in our communities, in our schools, uh, in our youth groups, in our adult groups, like all that when we do not have sages, we don't have what 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 I believe the, the scriptures talk about are like the pylons of society, the grounding men of the society that kind of hold the structure of boundaries and direction and containment and vision and faith all kind of together. And, and if if all we're doing is kind of escaping at 65 or you know trying to find a way to get out and, and disappear, then society loses out huge time just in, in such a big way. And I feel like that's where, where we're at because my father's generation, my grandfather's generation was all about, you know, put your nose down, put your shoulder in and just work, work, work until you hit a certain age. And then once you hit a certain age, you're done. And I feel like what ends up happening is that we lose ourselves. Like we're not done. <laughs> um, it's the, the best is yet to come. I've heard you once before refer to um, for a man to bring his boy home. What does that mm. mean? The task of the first passage of a man's life is to find the man within the boy and call him forth. So this is that rite of passage when a boy becomes a man. So he steps from boyhood into manhood. So the first passage is to find the man within the boy and call him forth. The second passage is to find the boy within the man and bring him home. And that is what you're referring to. So the way that I like to think about this, Jonathan, is that you know our, our minds and our bodies and our souls carry within them still all of the moments and memories and ages we have ever been before. So as I sit in here and talk with you right now as an adult man, inside of me are all the ages I have ever been. And the cross section of a tree is the logo of our uh, counseling center because on the outside of the tree is the adult tree, but on the inside are all the rings of the tree indicating all the, all the seasons and stories that tree has ever lived. And, and even though on the outside you only see the adult tree, inside are all those parts of that tree. And those mm. parts are, are still alive. They're still there. They're not dead. They're still alive. And so in the same way as humans, we have that kind of concentric circles of our own selves that lived inside of us. And um, so when I talk about bringing the boy home, there are parts of me that uh, when I was a boy that I needed to kind of cut off, distance myself from, uh, shut down, uh, maybe, uh, you know, I like to use the word exile, like I cannot be with you, I cannot deal with you. So for an example is, you know, very typical example for a lot of boys um, is that your emotions are too much. And boys don't have those big emotions. Boys don't cry, boys don't, you know, whatever, boys don't have those kinds of emotions. And so we're gonna shut those parts of ourselves off and exile them away from us. Well, the fact is we are emotional beings. That is how we were created to be. But if I live still as an adult man with this exiled emotional part of me, I'm not integrated into all of who I was designed to be. And so I need to, I need to do some work 
to bring that emotional boy who I kind of cloistered away or sent away or exiled away back in the day when I was young. And, and, and maybe I needed to do that to survive certain times of my life or certain seasons of, you know, a, a, a family event or, or whatever. Maybe I needed to do that, but I don't need to do that anymore. And so I want to go back and bring that boy home, meaning become reacquainted with that emotional side of me, become reacquainted with those parts of me that, that I, I was designed to have and therefore um, need to come home, reintegrate them fully. So that's just one example. It could be, you know, uh, an example of, uh, again, emotions, uh, but then also things with regard to my own desire, things with regard to my sexuality, things with regard to uh, my faith, things regard with regard to uh, maybe I sacrificed a part of myself because my father wanted to me to follow some career path, but internally I really wanted to do something else, but this is what he wanted. And so I gave up that part of me to go follow his career path designed for me. But now, like, what would it be like for me to go back and actually recognize that this is a, this is a part of me that, that God designed that I have inside of me that needs to still live. And so I'm going to go kind of resurrect that and bring that back now to myself. I can do that now in this age of my life. My next question is probably a little bit different. I found out that you went to Ireland for a month <laughs> as yes. part of writing this book. And you're you're no stranger to adventures and enjoying adventures and learning from those experiences. Why did you go and what did you learn from that time? And what did how did that contribute to what you wrote? It all started, I think, about six or seven years ago when one of my really good friends was just about to turn 40. And so we were sitting around a campfire and, uh, you know, talking about things and what are you going to do for your 40th birthday? And he said, I would love to go to Scotland and kind of take this, this big epic trip with the guys. And I responded, great, let's go. And so that kind of hatched a plan for four of us to hop on a plane and go. And we were all at different actual ages he was the youngest turning 40 the others of us were you know 41 42 45 like that kind of thing so we were in our 40s and um so he that that kind of started what we thought was going to be like our quote-unquote second half trip of you know celebrating you know cresting the the hill and turning 40 and all and all that kind of stuff but what happened inside of me was that I realized that this is not a moment, but it is a journey, like I said before. And it began to open up some places inside of me that that I needed to address. And the trip was awesome. It was amazing. It was epic. And, and we had some really good conversations and some, some good um, personal work as well for me. But I realized coming into writing Sage that I needed to go back and do more work, but this time by myself this time not with a group of men, this time in my own self-reflective place because no one is gonna come for my boy except for me. And I need to do this work. And, and though it might, it, it could have been fine if other guys were around, but I just knew for myself that they would have been more of a distraction than they would have been helpful. So so I needed to go. And so I I also knew that I was writing the book and and so I booked a, um, 
just a cottage off the far western wild Atlantic coast of Ireland in January, which nobody does. Nobody goes to Ireland in January because it's so wild and rugged and, and crazy weather. But I did that because I knew I needed to have some solitude, um, which again is one of the characteristics I unpack of, pack more of in the book is the idea of solitude. For me, it speaks that you led by example and taking out that time for yourself to do the work. And that brings me really into our final question, which is what exactly is your challenge to the fathers listening right now? Time and external focus is so much of what it means to be a father, so much of what it means to be an adult man. But but there's so much still that is stirring within us. There is so much that that if we just slow down enough to listen, that there is so much treasure that is actually buried inside of us that if we attend to those places, that there there could be a, a richness that we never knew. And it's actually inside you. It's not out there. It is inside of us. And so uh, I feel like the, the invitation of Sage is to slow down, listen, and then intend to attend. Intend to listen, intend to do some work, and then attend to those places that, that surface in your life. Because I'll go back to another thing that I said earlier, and that is the best thing that we can do for our children to grow healthy children is to be healthy men. And this is part of it. Uh, and I feel like your children will ultimately grow up and they will eventually leave the home, but they will still need a healthy father. And that doesn't just mean like having a healthy body and working out. It means having a healthy heart so that you can continue to be there for them through you know years to come in ways that they're going to need you then differently than they need you now. Hmm. That's a lot of really great wisdom. And dads, I hope you were listening very, very careful, very carefully to that. So we were on this program to talk about Sage, a man's guide into his second passage. If you want this book, and I would strongly suggest that if you are even remotely thinking about, and even if you're not thinking about it yet, at some point, it will be on your mind. And this is a book I would strongly urge you to pick up and to read because I can promise you this. If you read this book, not only will you look at that second half of life entirely different, but you will actually be excited about it. I can promise you that. And that is there, there's so much meaning in that part of your life. That's there that we just talked about, but the book goes into much greater detail about it. So you can pick up the book by going to the fatherhoodchallenge.com. That's the fatherhoodchallenge.com. And if you go to this episode, go to the episode description and right below the description, there will be a link where you can, that will take you directly to the book. Uh, I will also put access to Chris's other books. So you can all find them there if you're interested in, in seeing what those are, those books are about and, and getting those books. Uh, I will also put links to the restoration project so you can learn more about that and also Chris's uh, practice. So um, with that, I am very, very grateful to have you on, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Awesome. Thanks, Jonathan, so much. Great to be here. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.